Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Now, I apologize about how I sound right now because I managed to catch a quick cold. My nose is quite full with stuff, so very sorry, but I hope that this is going to pass extremely soon. Did a COVID test as well. But yeah, I'm about to go to Ukraine. Today is the first leg of the journey. I'll be going to Poland, Warsaw. And hey, if you're listening to this episode as it comes out and you're from Warsaw, I would be very happy if you'd actually, you know, contact me because I'm looking about, you know, maybe someone can pick me up at Modlin Airport uh, this evening at about 8.40 or something because cabs are a bit weird. But hey, well, maybe something happens, maybe it doesn't. But uh, besides the packing and my trip, a lot of things have happened. In the last episode, I was preparing for Putin's speech. That didn't happen in the evening. But it did happen the next morning. And it was all weird and quite strange. And uh, there's quite a lot to discuss about this whole mobilization and the reaction to it and everything, really. It was a speech both by uh, Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu and Putin. And the gist of it was that a partial mobilization will take place. Note that uh, still no war. Mobilization, but no war. And they want to affect and kind of recruit 300,000 servicemen currently in reserve. Of course, they're claiming that this will only affect uh, people who have been in contract service for the Russian army or that have served and everything else, but uh, they're not going to pick up students or something. However, well, no one really believes it. After this speech, and I'll read the full text as well uh, later on, the first reaction was massive flight from Russia and protests there. Protests weren't uh, as intense as in Iran, but they still happened, and we have about 1,500 arrested people, many of whom were actually just, as they were arrested in the police, they got their notifications about being uh, called to the conscription uh, bureau. But um, in general, massive flight everywhere. Huge lines on Georgian border, on Finnish border, and even later on Kazakhstan border. This is a bit problematic because I also spoke with uh, some Latvian sources that I have, and Latvia is not letting any of them in because we have uh, quite secure sources that state that there's a lot of Putin's fake protesters, provocateur agents, and stuff like that, quite hostile, and it's a matter of national security that we actually kind of don't let them in, but maybe this will get sorted out. Not sure yet. Basically, panic was quite crazy. Because like uh, like you and like me, no one in Russia really believed a word that Putin said. This mobilization is partial on paper only. Yeah, by the way, Putin also stated that he's ready to defend uh, Russian territory with any weapons at his disposal. Basically, once again, threatening nuclear war. But uh, I stay by my point that that is ridiculously unlikely and will not happen. However... The real thing happened about this such situation was the fact that Putin might say a lot of things, and Shoigu might say a lot of things about uh, 
these 300,000 people, which is a lot. It's double the amount that uh, Russia started this operation in Ukraine with, how they invaded Ukraine. But uh, here's the full decree that Putin didn't mention, because that wouldn't be nice. He also didn't really look convincing. But the decree, well, doesn't look too partial to me. Quote, In accordance with the federal laws of May 31st, 1996, number 61 FZ on defense, on February 26, 1997, number 31 FZ on mobilization training and mobilization in the Russian Federation, and on March 28, 1998, number 53, uh, federal law on military duty and military service, I decide. Nice little ukas there. Point one. To announce partial mobilization in the Russian Federation from September 21, 2022. Number two, to carry out the call of citizens of the Russian Federation for military service for mobilization in the armed forces of the Russian Federation. Citizens of, I'll just say Russia, called up for military service by mobilization have the status of military personnel serving in the armed forces in the Russian Federation under a contract. Point three, establish that the level of pay for citizens of the Russian Federation called up for military service corresponds to the level of pay for military personnel serving in the armed forces. Number four, contracts for the passage of military service concluded by military personnel continue to be valid until end of the period of partial mobilization, with the exception of cases of dismissal of military personnel for military service on the grounds established by this decree. Point five, this is an important one, established during the period of partial mobilization the following grounds for the dismissal from military service of servicemen undergoing military service under contract, as well as citizens called up for military service. It's a bunch of legalese, which um, I, I don't think you need to know that one. A. By age, upon reaching the age limit for military service. B. For health reasons, in recognition to all the other things why you can't join the army. C. In connection with the entry into, a, into force of a court verdict on the imposition of a sentence of imprisonment. Then, point six. To the government of the Russian Federation. A. To finance activities for partial mobilization. B. Take the necessary measures to meet the needs of the armed forces of the Russian Federation, other troops, military formations, and whatever. Basically, take care of everything. And then, interestingly, number eight. The highest officials... By the way, notice, six and then eight. The highest officials in the constituent entities of the Russian Federation shall ensure the conscription of the citizens for military service. Blah, blah, blah. Basically, that's the regions and their governors will take care of this. It's just too complex right now. And nine, provide citizens of the Russian Federation working in organizations of the military-industrial complex with the right of deferment from conscription for, for military service for mobilization for the period of work in these organizations. The categories of citizens of the Russian Federation who are granted the right to deferment and the procedure for granting it are determined by the government of the Russian Federation. Basically, this says nothing about the scope. This puts the organizing of this whole mobilization thing on the governors of the regions, kind of like what, uh, basically, what uh, what Ramzan Kadyrov stated, but slightly different. And no scope, no professions. Everything about the professions that only the reserves will be called in, that only people who have served will be called in. Yeah, that's all in just public PR speech. Nothing to do with reality whatsoever. And of course, everyone's, well, panicking right now. And then about the point seven. Well, obviously, that was skipped because a speech was supposed to be on the evening where I posted my uh, previous episode, but that didn't happen. They lagged. And apparently, uh, point seven had been rewritten very hastily. 
this whole operation looks very hastily written because already we have cases of corruption and uh, I've seen advertisements on the on Russian Telegram about, you know, we'll, we'll break an arm, very cheap, painless. For like 25 bucks, someone's gonna break your arm and then you won't have to go. However, today, Nova Gazeta, in its European section, apparently, found what is the seventh point of the mobilization. The seventh point of this Putin's... Th this comes from uh, internal internal sources, which I verified that this is very believable. Apparently, this is a top-secret point. So, um, this states that, only for internal use, that apparently they... From from three hundred thousand to a million people should be mobilized. They decided to hide that fact from the people because you know everyone already knew that they're gonna twist the facts and whatever. But uh, yeah, if it would be, if it, if it would be written on paper, that would be uh, even more weird and protests would be even larger. Well, now they know. Now it's out, and we're gonna see what's happening. Dmitry Peskov, press secretary of the president also stated that, yeah, yeah, this point has something to do with the amount of people who's gonna, who are going to be mobilized, but, um, yeah, he didn't mention mention the amounts, but looks like they, they would go up to one million, which is the amount that uh, Girkin, reacting to this, actually stated, because he said 300,000 is not enough, and a lot of right-wing buddies, the same guy who was with Girkin last time and called NATO battle pederasts and that stuff, uh, yeah, he mentioned that uh, 300,000 is only good enough for for basically Donetsk Oblast, but they really want to fight until all of Ukraine is conquered. And they feel like Putin is uh, betraying them, where the fact that, um, well, he apparently has got away from the denazification and total conquest of Ukraine, which these guys obviously do not like. Interestingly enough, um, another important event happened here. At the same day when the speech happened and with the announcement and everything, there was a trade trade between prisoners uh, of, of war, and ten of them were foreign citizens who were traded, like, a, via the Saudi Arabian, I think it was Saudi Arabian, well, one of these Arab sheikhs as a mediator, so ten of these guys are going home, including two of the British guys who were condemned to death penalty in Donbass, no less. However, the important part was that Ukraine traded 55 Russian soldiers for 210 of their own, out of which the majority, about half of them, were Azov troops. The guys who were defending Azovstal and including Azov leadership. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbird styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? 
Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Yeah. Those guys. And they were kept in terrible conditions previously. And if you if you recall, at one point, Rush even built cages in the Mariupol Central Theater for their upcoming show trials. I mentioned that on the show. See, if, um, if the original intent for this operation, as Putin had called it, was denazification, then these Azov leaders, these five guys, they represent, well, basically the leaders of the Nazi party analogy. However, well, obviously Azov aren't, aren't Nazis, but that's beside the point. Everyone in Russia thinks they are, and then this trade happened. And specifically, even on 21st of May and all this time previously, it had been repeated multiple times by Russian propaganda that this is the one group of people that they will not trade, they deserve punishment and all that stuff. And now together with this mobilization and very kind of, well, the West thinks that Putin threatened them with nuclear weapons. However, even in that, in his speech was, you know, you had to read in, read between the lines and figure out that he's threatening you. That's not very confident, to be honest. And with this, which uh, the right-wing people in Russia consider very weak, and with this trade, oh boy, this was so weird. Here's a, of, of course, Girkin had to comment on this one, because after mobilization, he, of course, had been called in various TV shows, very much stating that there is still no war, and that it's not enough, and criticizing Putin, but this kind of broke him. So, um, about the trading of Azov, this is going to be a bit, a bit great. Quote, do you remember what I said when I found out that Pan Hodokovsky was actively involved in the process of Azov surrendering in Mariupol? I said then that where he is, there's always betrayal and nothing else. The release of the entire command staff of the Azov regiment is another evidence that this treason, in all caps, in which Hodokovsky participated at the initial stage, was successfully brought to an end. Although, of course, the main laurels should go to as of yet un unidentified persons from the top leadership of the Russian Federation. The merit of said former SBU officer, was he former? And Akhmetov bodyguard is undeniable. The release of five British mercenaries and the exchange of the remaining Azov regiment, who were still in captivity, carried out yesterday by agreement with the Arab Emirates and respected Kiev partners, he puts that in air quotes, they're not his partners, is worse than a crime and worse than a mistake. This is incredible stupidity or outright sabotage. It was apparently impossible to do this at least a couple of days before the presidential mobilization decree. Do you know what it looks like? This is how. They went out to the people, called on to stand up for the Russian land, and then, and then those who responded, they shit straight on their heads, openly, mockingly, with chuckles and jokes. I personally cannot perceive such peacekeeping on the day of the announcement of mobilization in any other way. And then he asks for maximum repost, and hey, well, we of course oblige. Now, the thing is, with all the protests, with all the arrests, and with all the chaos, and the fact that all this mobilization turned out to be, well, quite much unplanned, planned just as well as this whole war, yeah, it's turning into a massive, massive chaos. And, you know, normally people kind of have calculated, the conflict, conflict intelligence team, that uh, it would take about six months to actually gather the, all the mothballed equipment, if it is still there, not stolen, and train the troops or whatever to have these 300,000. However, most likely what's going to happen here and what is happening right now, which also was a thing that was announced, yesterday, announced today by, well, in Telegram channels of pro-Russian sources, 
is that uh, they're going to prepare each of these young guys who previously used to be an IT guy or a manager or something for about three days, and then they're just going to throw them out. Of course, they're all being told that they're going to be serving some some guard posts and positions like that, but um, no one buys that crap. They're going to be used just as Donetsk and Luhansk people's republics, Mobiki, so-called Mobiki, like cannon fodder. And of course, a lot of people don't want to die. Now, this won't cause any huge riots or any coups, but uh, this might anger a lot of people. This is kind of one of those breaking point steps, because Putin has now revealed everything that he has. And of course, he won't, won't fire nukes, then he's instantly dead. However, well, that's it. Now he kind of has to go on. Even his propaganda are, tell, are telling that, uh, well, it's all or nothing, you know, until all of Ukraine is conquered or, or until Russia loses. And at the same time, this whole event with exchanging Azov prisoners, which even more enrages all the right-wing pro-war guys. It's all kind of weird. Really getting kind of creepy. Since, again, can't really predict what's going to happen. I know that the referendums are about to happen, in, well, during my time in Ukraine, so I'll be there. I really hope that Kherson Frontline also advances onwards. But this is going to be an interesting time. I picked, I actually picked really good dates, unknowingly, to, to go and visit, which is interesting. But yeah, this mobilization turning out pretty bad, just as I had predicted it would. It's all very weird, and uh, yeah, protests are happening, but you have to remember, these days it's kind of unpopular, at least on Twitter, to criticize those protesters in Russia. And, you know, we get a lot of flack for not letting them in and stuff, and the argument goes that every Russian who isn't, you know, who leaves Russia right now and then is in the conscription age, that's one less soldier. However, Russia is huge, and uh, technically, as Shoigu stated, they, their potential total potential is about 25 million. Well, that's obviously if you count all the able-bodied men of the appropriate age. However, that's still a lot. Those few thousands won't really change anything, and, um, and it's kind of weird that this war with all its atrocities and everything had been going on for such a long time. For such a long time, and they didn't care about this, and a lot of them even state that they support the war. They just don't like the mobilization. Now, you can call me a bit biased or something, but uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of these guys who just start acting out now. They're not anti-war protesters. Don't make a mistake of that. They're the guys who, in February and March, were just typing in in Telegram chats about how all Ukrainians should be shot, and and now, well, the, now they're against mobilization because it's their own lives on, on the stake here. And that includes a lot of a lot of Twitter propagandists as well. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good men among them. At least some, definitely. But, um, well, our ministry, for example, in Latvia, and I know the similar stances in, the Bal in other Baltic countries and in Poland, is that those those people who are going to get let in in the EU, well, they're going to be vetted. It's going to be an individual approach, and we're not mass-blanketing letting in anyone. Since, again, for us, it's a major security threat. And, uh, well... To be honest, they would be better off, you know, going and fixing problems with their own countries. Or at least, which is the thing that the Russians don't like to mention around, is the fact that, well, they have plenty of countries where they don't need a visa, where people speak Russian, like Belarus. There's no mobilization in Belarus, or Kazakhstan, or other stans. But however, you know, we're uh, the bad guys because they're all standing in line not to go to those countries, but to go to our country, which is also suspicious. Obviously, we're the bad guys in the EU now, but, um, hey, what can you do? But uh, all the situation has reached a point where, actually, there are a new political anecdote happened out, you know, just created in Moscow. And uh, it goes something like this. 
Congratulations! As a reservist, you have been mobilized. Uh, okay. Who are we fighting with? The Nazis! Yeah, yeah, I know that, but against whom? And that's a joke. Because if this is happening, then uh, again, the facade is kind of cracking. Putin's enemy is not the West, as he likes to portray it. Not NATO, but uh, instead time. His own time. He's just focused on staying in power at this point. At least so analysts comment. I think that, you know, this war was an intended in, intended thing for him to live in history books and stay in power for longer. If peace will help him stay in power longer, he'll do that. If if it's war, then war it is. The scary part is that now he can't back down. And no, can the West, the West also can't just back down. And, well, I don't believe in nuclear war right now. But I do believe that uh, by the end of all this mess... We're seriously going to have to denuclearize Russia. Oh, and uh, completely reform how the United Nations Security Council works. That's all a bit weird. And yeah, that's it for today. And please, if you live in Warsaw and can pick me up at uh, 8.40 at Modlin Airport and, you know, drive me to the center, much appreciated. But, you know, if not, then... uh, I'm available tomorrow in the early day because my train is about like 4 or 5 p.m. And then I'm taking this long, long train to Kiev. But yeah, thank you for all your support. Thank you for your donations and, and for your Patreon support and everyone else who follows me on Twitter. It's very much appreciated and I'm super nervous right now, obviously, but I um, have to deal with this and just continue on working. Again, до свидания, And remember, happiness is mandatory. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.